Blog Talk Radio. Headlines for News Junkies. And I'm still going to be doing my Wednesday show, the middle of the week pick me up energy show, and that's going to be about energy. And this show is going to be about the headlines. Because <laughs> my granddaughter was just visiting here, and during the three days of our vi- visit, her nose was stuck in her phone getting the very latest breaking news happening around the world. She says she subscribes to seven major news outlets, so she just doesn't miss a thing. (laughs) I think she was the first one to know that the wing of the Malaysian airliner was found. So, for all of you news junkies out there, (laughs) since Jon Stewart quit his show, I've decided to start to add my two cents worth. You know, my last name is Cheek, so a lot of this will be tongue-in-cheek. Ha-ha, that's supposed to be funny. <clears throat> and uh, eventually I re- I want to get up to doing a daily show, but I'm going to start uh, with once a week <laughs> since I'm a one person and don't have great big staff to help me. <clears throat> and Uh, I'm going to do it from my perspective, and I am a reflector. I reflect and amplify whatever is of the light. And so if you put that in earth terms, it's whatever has an, an ounce of truth to it. And I'm going to amplify that small part of the news that is the truth and then let you pause and reflect about it yourself. And the headlines I'm going to talk about today are actually adding fuel to fires that actually need to be put out. So here's the first headline. ISIS promises to execute hostage if Egypt doesn't free Muslim women from their prisons. ISIS promises? This is such an oxymoron, it just astonishes me. How can these two words go together? ISIS and promises. Are we to assume here that ISIS is is of such a sacred and moral group that they can make a promise? And secondly, if they do make a promise, we're going to believe that they will keep their promise. They keep promises. I mean, just how convoluted is this? You know, this is like saying um, that Hitler promises to do something. And so we can trust Hitler. We can trust ISIS because they'll keep their promises. 
But we can't trust Ob- President Obama. Well, maybe ISIS and Hitler could be trusted because they are dictators. They don't have a system of government that has a balance of power, like with a Congress, with a House of Representatives and a Senate of men and women who must all agree together before something gets done. And by the way, to all of you Republicans who are seeking to be president, who are criticizing President Obama for not getting things done, what about that House and Senate group of Republicans who have had the balance of power for the last two years? Why haven't you got anything done? You have had two times as much power as uh, President Obama. But anyway, why does our news media want to give such credibility to ISIS? Whose agenda is being served with making it seem like ISIS is so credible that they can make a sacred promise? See, this is a headline that fuels a fire that should be put out. Now, I did a show last year about ISIS, how big it is and how important it is to us. And just to remind you, our New York City Police Department is bigger than ISIS. And the area that ISIS works in is smaller than the state of New Jersey. And to insinuate that ISIS has any sacred moral promise, a fiber, to be able to make a promise is ludicrous. I mean, our news agencies shouldn't even be talking about ISIS in the first place, much less giving them such credibility as to suggest that they could keep a promise ISIS is not an item that deserves any recognition because there is a universal principle of power that that what we give our attention to grows. So why do we want to further empower ISIS? Well, the war people certainly would be interested in empowering ISIS. Because Republicans are notoriously in favor of war for economic purposes. And if you listen to those presidential debates, nearly every single one of these Republicans who are running for the presidency said they would take on ISIS, do whatever it takes to kill them all. And I had lunch with my two Coast Guard lady friends this last week who also just feel that way, adamant about eliminating ISIS. And I said, you want more war? You want us to go back into Iraq again? So, gosh, we have the clearest choice for president, uh, for for electing a president this year uh, for the first time in a long, long time. And that choice is, it's your choice. So listen. Do you want war or peace? Do you want your next president to rev up our war machine and go smashing into Iraq and Afghanistan and Iran again? Or will we continue 
with meaningful and peaceful negotiations with all the countries of the world. That Nobel Peace Prize winner President Obama has maintained for us during his eight-year presidency. What do you want? War, peace, because this is the issue here. This is the truth behind this headline. And you're going to decide. Will you listen to the warmongers who want to make money waging war? Or will you listen to your heart and hear, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, walk the second mile, pray for those who would want to try to control you? You know, I raised my kids during the time that Khrushchev was promising to destroy us, to have a Russian flag waving from our White House, teach our children the philosophy of communism. Now, I do believe in maintaining lines of defense. After all, I'm an active member of the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary. But there is always going to be another Hitler, another Khrushchev, another ISIS, And somewhere along the line of defense, we must take the higher road. And President Obama knows how to do this better than anyone I have ever watched in my entire lifetime. And I'm already lamenting and grieving the end of his presidency. I was able to feel in my heart that we had actually achieved what our country really stands for in a way that's never been achieved before in our history, peace on earth, goodwill to all men with liberty and justice for all. We've been saying this for 2014 years at Christmas time. Now we've had Christmas every day for the time of the President Obama's presidency. I've been celebrating Christmas in my heart every day since 1970. I keep a Christmas tree up all year. It's in the room in my house that I rent out to international travelers through AIRBNB website. And it's my statement of least resistance because liberty and justice has to be within the levels of consciousness in each group. Well, you could start your first step on the higher road and put up a Christmas tree in your house now and keep it up every day of the year and begin to pray for your enemies. (laughs) You know, there was a picture of a woman on the cover of National Geographic a while back, and the photographer who took that picture went back and took a picture of her today, and he talked to her. And she said life was better under the Taliban because they at least had peace and safety then. Because taking out Saddam was the biggest mistake our country has ever made. Saddam knew how to keep all those various factions in his area under control. At least there was peace and safety for his people while he was their dictator. And it's very clear to me that we have no idea how to deal with those cultures. If you read the stories in First and Second Chronicles in the Bible, 
you'll see that all this stuff has been going on in this area for millions of years. We just have to allow and accept their own decisions to work out their own ideas. And for Pete's sake, why doesn't Egypt just release the Muslim women out of their prisons and let them go home? This just seems like a reasonable request to me. And now for all of you that say that the peace and safety here in the U.S. is threatened by ISIS, I say to you, what about Ferguson? Come on. Let's concentrate on our own problems without trying to solve other people's problems. I mean, certainly we have enough to work on here. And as for that boy who killed the people in the church in South Carolina, well, apparently money isn't the answer to everything either. He lived in a million-dollar home, had a college education all paid for by his parents. He was 25 years old and had been indulged by his parents in the luxury of wealth and privilege that our liberty and justice for all system provides. And he was still living at home, probably driving a BMW, buying gas with his daddy's credit card, no job, just adrift at sea, surrounded by ease and idleness. No sense of purpose, no sense of accomplishment. So what would attract him to ISIS if indeed he was somehow indoctrinated in terrorist activities? Does ISIS give young people purpose? and a sense of self, that they are important, and that they can make a difference in life here on Earth today? Is there something about ISIS that speaks to the soul of a man in a way that makes him feel a purpose for his life, something to be dedicated to that will be appreciated and rewarded? I think it's time that the Christians of the world, instead of condemning the Muslims, start to offer young people today a purpose. I mean, just sitting on the pew and waiting to die to go to heaven to get your reward isn't going to cut it with the youth today. And spiritual warfare with an elusive devil who apparently has as much power as God, which is such a ludicrous idea to me to start with. I mean, who would serve a God who couldn't control everything? But this kind of spiritual warfare with an elusive devil is just kind of like playing a video game. Try to, you know, tell you that you have to fight the devil every day. At least with the video game, the player has some power. I heard an evangelist the other day who actually said, we are at war. No wonder we have such a war mentality. People, it's time to lay down our weapons, beat our guns into plowshares, start to to have peace on the earth, goodwill towards all men. So there it is, okay? What do you want? War or peace? We're getting ready to set the high path for those next eight years after the Obama presidency. I hope this isn't another time of taking two steps forward and then another step back, because we just can't go back to war. We just can't. 
Okay, here's the next headline. Uh, AOL ran the story today saying that six out of ten black men say they have been treated unfairly by white cops. (laughs) Okay, I have two things to say about this. First, why are there so few black cops? Is it because more than 50% of black males do not graduate from high school? Because to be a cop, you have to be a high school graduate before you can enter the police academy. So what does the mother of a black boy tell him? Is she encouraging him to get good grades in school so he can graduate from high school and then he can enroll in the police academy and become a black cop? You know, in watching a lot of the videos, it seems to me that the black policemen are just as strict as the white policemen. Because if a cop tells you to stop, whether he's black or white, and you don't stop, you need to listen to my show, Stop or I Will Shoot. You know, when I was growing up, that's what the policeman said, Stop or I Will Shoot. And that's what that word stop implies. Because if you don't, they have the right to shoot. It seems to me that black cops say stop, just like white cops say stop. And it seems that black men just don't stop. They keep running. Is this because they really have done something wrong? I mean, why would they keep running if they're innocent? What has the mother of that black child told him? Does she say, if the policeman tells you to stop, you just keep running. You can get away. You just keep running. I'm from Indianapolis, and I remember when the city built a new jail. And before they transferred the inmates to the new jail, they had an open house. And they invited the public to come downtown and go through the facility. So my husband and I took our two kids and went down to see the jail. Now, they had it set up so that you were put through a booking, fingerprinted, and then put in a cell. And I will never forget how it felt to be put in that cell and to see and hear that jail cell door close and lock And even knowing that it was temporary and that I was going to be let out, I was traumatized. I couldn't stand it. I screamed to the policeman. I said, let me out of here. I said, I can't can't take this. Um, uh, Let me out. Let me out now. And my kids just stood and looked at me and watching my reaction. And I know it had an effect on them. And in the car on the way home, my son said, I am never going to do anything that would put me in that jail cell. And my daughter said, I'm with you, Mom. I couldn't stand to be locked up like that either. You know, and I I taught my children to always obey any policeman, that a policeman is a person who puts his life on the line every day to keep everything safe for us and to protect us. And if he says to stop, there's a really, really good reason for it. And you are to stop immediately. What does the black mother tell her child? 
How does she teach her children about the police? Does she teach her child that the policeman is a good person, that he's helping to keep our neighborhoods and our cities safe and to keep us safe from harm? Or does she teach her black child that a white cop will treat him bad and he should run? Or is she teaching him to help their people by becoming a black cop and helping to balance out the ratio of the number of white cops and the number of black cops? And uh, and by the way, about that, black people are only 13% of the population. So if you have a 25-member police force in a city, only two or three should be black to represent the ratio of black and white. But the problem is this 13% of the population is responsible for more than 50% of the crime, way more. Therefore, black people who commit crimes are going to be arrested more by white policemen than black policemen. And why are white policemen so disgusted by the whole black culture? Let's look at my number two observation here. Six out of ten black men say they've been treated unfairly by the police. Well, if you ask ten white men if they've been treated unfairly by the police, possibly not even one of those white men has ever even had an altercation with the police. And yet, if you just take a random sample of ten black men in a poll, six of them have had interactions with the police? Well, you know, our jails and prisons are filled with black men. Not 13% of the people in jail are black. 90% of the people in jail are black. And here is where there is the underlying cultural situation of the so-called white supremacy, white cop prejudice. But the fact is, most of the people that the cops are having to deal with day to day and over and over are black people. Did you know homicide is the leading cause of death among black men? This is how the statistics prove out the attitude Here is where a lot of the lump all of the black people in one big group comes from. Because the truth is, most of the violence in our country, the murders, the rapes, the robberies, the larcenies, is committed by black people. And it gets old. It just gets really, really old. And if you watch Judge Judy, most of the people in litigation on her show are black These black people are constantly calling the police on each other, constantly. I mean, if black people think the police are so unfair, why are they always calling them? You know, years ago, the Congress wanted to try to help black people get a better deal in this country. And since most black kids are born illegitimately, Congress developed the Aid to Dependent Children Welfare Package. I think it has other names it's called today, but it used to be a ADC. A single mother who has a child could get aid from the rest of us who work so that she wouldn't have to work and she could stay home and raise her child because the father isn't taking care of the child like he should. 
so the whole process was so that mother could teach this child values and help this child grow up to become a self-sufficient, self-sustaining person who could contribute something worthy to our society. But this has not worked. It has only perpetuated the situation and made it so that a woman can actually make money having baby after baby after baby with no father, and she could have a life, actually, on the Aid to Dependent Children program, plus be able to get all the other welfare programs, food stamps and housing allowances, just by having more and more children. 72% of black children are born illegitimately, and the fathers of these babies get off scot-free, never pay a dime to support them, never provide any parental support, no role model, don't help in any way. And most of these fathers at some point are going to end up behind bars And their kids end up out on the street, not going to school, not graduating from high school, getting into trouble, and adding to the statistics that are the reason why it makes it seem like white cops treat black people bad. So the truth is that black people cause more of the crime in our neighborhoods than white people, The truth is that black men aren't cops because you have to have at least a high school education in order to go to the police academy. And more than 50% of black kids don't graduate from high school. So not only are these black kids not eligible to go to the police academy, they aren't eligible to get any kind of a job either. And I, for one, just don't want to have to keep paying for these kids to be out on the street causing trouble. You know, recently on the I Am Kate show, Caitlyn Jenner was taken to task about a statement she made regarding welfare. And she said that it was possible today to make more money getting welfare than getting a job. And she said, this just teaches people to, why should I work if I can get money from welfare? And I thought to myself, she is so right. I mean, you know, where do you think the government gets all the money that pays the welfare? You know, there isn't some magical pot of gold at the end of the rainbow where the government gets money to pay people who don't work or won't work. That money comes from people like me, taxpayers. I'm actually one of those less than 50% now who actually pay the money that goes into that pot of gold that the government uses to pay out welfare. I still pay into the Social Security system at 80 years old, even though I get Social Security, because I'm still in business. I pay self-employment tax in addition to paying taxes on the money I make from my business. Now, one time in my life, I did get unemployment compensation for six months, because that's all the longer you could get unemployment then, because it was believed that anybody could get another job in six months. But I also had paid into unemployment for years while I worked before I took that unemployment for six months. And in those days, in order to get your check every week, you had to submit a form to your local unemployment office to document that you had had two job interviews that week 
<laughs> and you had to put down the name of the company and the name of the person who interviewed you and the reason why you were or weren't hired. Today, no one has to document anything, and nobody looks for a job uh, as long as they are getting the unemployment. They take the unemployment for as long as they can before they ever start to look for another job because a lot of times they can make more money on unemployment than they can getting another job. So I suggest that it's time to stop the Aid to Dependent Children Welfare Program. It hasn't worked. Black crime statistics in Ferguson, Chicago, and New York City just continue to go up, and they're higher now than they've ever been before. Black mothers aren't teaching their kids to go to school and get a good education so they can get a good job and take care of themselves. My daughter teaches in a 75% black high school in Texas. One in a hundred of these kids have a father in the home. And one in a hundred of these kids' mothers has ever shown up at a parent-teacher meeting. These mothers aren't teaching their kids to stop when the policeman tells them to stop. They aren't teaching their kids to take responsibility and have a paper route and then work at McDonald's while they're going to high school to get their education. We need to stop this program. It is not working. It only fuels a fire that needs to be put out. Black women need to stop having illegitimate children. If a single black woman is sexually active, she should be required to be on birth control. And believe me, these black women will start using birth control if they begin to know they're not going to get any money anymore for that baby that they make with that guy who was just there for the moment and isn't going to take any responsibility for that child. You know, at least in Africa, the black man does take care of all the children that he has with all of the women he has. Well, Donald Trump said it so well last night. It's so politically incorrect today to hardly say anything about the truth of stuff. But this coming from around the back of the house headline of six out of ten black men say they've been untreated unfairly by the police doesn't help either. It just continues to fuel this fire that should be out. Let's get to the truth of this situation. Black people have been free from being slaves in this country now since January 1st, 1863. Now, I know this isn't a very long time, really, in the whole history of the earth, but it is time for this culture We're all one human race. We're all the same race, but we have very different cultures. And it's time for this culture to begin to stand on its own two feet, take advantage of the marvelous free educational systems in this country, and begin to be independent and self-sufficient, contributing members of our society. Or I'm just going to say it. Go back to Africa where the black culture is available to black people, black people living with black people with no white interferences at all.
Okay, our next headline. So ATMs are being scammed more today than ever before. Okay, so let's just show people exactly how people are scamming the ATMs so more people can learn how to do it. So if you don't know how to scam your ATM yet, just tune in to Fox News and they're going to show you how to do it just in careful step-by-step directions. (laughs) How about having a show about how to get a job? Step-by-step directions carefully, visually projected so everyone could know exactly what they would need to do to get a job. You know, being poor and lack of education are intrinsically tied together. So in our video on how to get a job, that first thing probably would be get your high school diploma. And while you are in high school, qualifying for your diploma, be thinking about what you might like to do. What are you good at? Do you know how to fix a car? Do you like to fix cars? Because the car business is one of the biggest businesses in the U.S. Selling new cars, selling used cars, fixing cars, painting cars, working at a car part place like a junkyard or AutoZone being a service rider at a car repair place, maybe driving a tow truck to go pick up a car that won't start or has had an accident, maybe owning your own tow truck business, but start driving for somebody else who's already in the business to learn the business, or like driving a limo. Most of the drivers who were bringing guests to Jennifer Aniston's birthday bash Turned out that turned out to be her wedding were blocked. Did you know that Ellen DeGeneres' driver was blocked? Do you like sports? I remember uh, seeing a story recently about a cop killing in an all-black neighborhood. I mean, you know what else is new? But the news reporter was talking to the kids who had gathered on the street, and he asked one of them, "How old are you?" And he said, "15." And the news guy said, do you have a job? And the kid said, no. And the news guy asked him what he wanted to do. And the kid said, I I want to play basketball in the NBA. Well, this kid was 15, and he was about 5 foot 7 inches tall. But he had visions of sugar plums dancing in his head that he was going to still get to be 7 foot 5 inches tall and play basketball in the NBA. Well, the news guy asked him if he was playing on the basketball team at his high school right now, and he said no. And the sports, the news guy said, well, are you going to high school right now? And the kid said no. I mean, how much in reality is this kid? At 15, his goal is to be an NBA basketball player, and he isn't even in high school right now, much less on a high school team or thinking about being good enough to get a scholarship to go to college as a basketball player for a good enough school where he could be scouted by the NBA. I mean, where is this kid's mother? How is she helping him be more grounded 
and realistic about his possibilities in life. She's probably watching that video about how to scam the ATM. Well, do you like sports? There's all kinds of jobs related to sports. I mean, work in a sporting goods store. Work in a factory that makes sports equipment. I mean, there's 3,013 manufacturers of sports equipment here in the U.S. Or you could train to be a fitness coach. Or you could play in a local league just for fun and try to get good enough to try out for a farm team for the majors. Do you know how to wash windows? Because the guy who comes and washes my windows twice a year has his own business washing windows. He does residential and commercial accounts. He did graduate from high school, but he didn't go to college. He decided he wanted to be in business for himself, so he started by washing his neighbor's windows. Yes, he has competition. There are big window washing companies, but he provides such a personal service He'll take out the screens and wash them and put them back in, and he makes the windows just sparkle. And he is spotless in his work. He doesn't leave a drop of water anywhere. He's in and out in quick time. And, you know, he's able to support himself, pay rent, have a truck, pay his insurance on the truck, have a cell phone. And he lives in a gated community that has pools, golf, tennis, and lots of social entertainment. He's self-sufficient, independent, and happy in his life. He doesn't need welfare. He pays taxes to help other people who take welfare. So preparation is a key to getting a job. You have to know how to do something. The company needs for you to be able to help them in their business, and they need to depend upon you to do what you do. You need to be to work on time, You need to be clean and rested, ready to do a good job for the money they're paying you to do your job. And when you and when you go to get a job, you need to follow the process that the company requires. Do you you probably will have to submit a resume first online. So you need to have a resume. I used to be in that business. I had an office in San Diego, and that's what I did. I wrote resumes for people for two years. My office was right down the street from the Navy base in San Diego. And when those boys would get discharged, they then needed to have a resume of what they knew how to do so they could go get a job in civilian life. Boy, I knew that ship from stem to stern. I learned every job that was on that ship from the electrician to the bilge pump plumber to the navigator to the engine mechanics. There are thousands of jobs on a big Navy ship, and those boys are trained in strict discipline, and they do their job perfectly every day, or they go to the brig. And let me tell you, the bosses on a Navy ship aren't nice. They're very strict. If you think white cops are unfair, you probably wouldn't make it in the military. No one is exempt from a sergeant's staggering ability to embarrass the socks right off of you in front of all your peers and reduce you to a pile of your poop on the floor. But if you want to have some good training and be prepared to be able to contribute to our society in a positive way, 
go into the military for four years. You will come out with tremendous skills and an attitude of cooperation and contribution. So when you, after you do your uh, resume online, then you're going to go for your interview. So how do you look when you go for your interview? Are you clean and well put together? Is your shirt tucked in? Do you walk straight and confident? Are your nails manicured? Is your hair cut and neat? Are your teeth brushed and clean and fresh? You know, the first impression of a person's appearance can make or break your chances of getting that job before they ever hear you speak a word. Because remember, you're going to be representing their company. They want their company to be represented by the best people possible. You have to be that best person possible. They want someone who cares about themselves first and then cares about the company. So be sure and do your research about the company, know what they do, and be ready to show them how you can help them do what they do and why you are the best person for the job. So I think how to be the best person for the job video would be better than showing people how to scam the ATM. Okay, my last headline is Beyonce's new shoes for a video she is preparing cost $300,000 and the belt for the outfit she will wear cost $86,000. Did that make you feel really poor? It made me feel poor. I can't afford $300,000 for a pair of shoes or $86,000 for a belt. I mean, apparently these shoes and the belt are made of diamonds. 1,300 diamonds. Real diamonds. I mean, who would know whether they're real or not? I mean, what's the point? I mean, even Warren Buffett or Donald Trump don't wear diamonds on the soles of their shoes. It's just a video for Pete's sake. No one's going to see the real shoes. They could be made of rhinestones or crystals. There's lots of things that can look like a diamond. There doesn't have to be real diamonds at the cost of $386,000. I guess that it's a marketing thing. You know, everybody will want to see the video and buy the video so they can see the $300,000 shoes. It's it's too bad that Beyonce feels like she needs something besides her talent to draw in the viewers. It makes it seem like money is what is really important. It seems like it makes it seem like if you have a lot of money, you're important. Which always only makes the rest of us feel worse because we don't have any money. But you know that kid that shot all those people in the church in South Carolina had plenty of money, so much money that he was bored to death. Killing people was all he could think about doing to try to start a race war like we needed more fuel on that fire. You know, knowing that she spent $300,000 on those shoes really aggravated me. I mean, it just aggravates our feelings of poverty and powerlessness. 
You know, Beyonce is black, and the majority of her culture lives below the poverty level in this country. Why doesn't she help them? I mean, be honest now. How did it really make you feel down deep inside? I mean, you just went to the store to get your groceries, and the groceries cost almost as much as you made this week, working all week long. And she's spending $300,000 on a dumb pair of shoes she's never going to wear. They're just for the video. I mean, deep down inside, you know you're never going to be able to spend $300,000 on a pair of shoes. Does it really make you feel good that she can? I mean, if you had $300,000 to spend, what would you spend it on? Would you buy the other pair of diamond shoes that's for sale? Yeah, the manufacturer made two pairs of diamond shoes, one for Beyonce's video, and there's another pair for sale. So if you had $300,000 to spend, would you buy that other pair of diamond shoes? I can think of 300,000 things I would buy before I would ever even think of buying that other pair of diamond shoes. <laughs> well, that's all for today, news junkies. I I guess I gave you enough to think about, right? So tune in next Friday for more headli- reflections on the headlines. And just let me say, before I close, the most important thing you need to be thinking about until we have the presidential elections is, do you want war or peace? Do you want war or peace? Do you want war or peace?